Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Praise the Lord. Okay, I need the children to show me where they are. So if you are a child who's seven years old or younger, please will you stand up on your chair right now and wave your hands at me. I want to see where the kids are. If you're a seven-year-old or younger, yes, there's one. Who else? Stand up, kids. Okay, there's some more. Is that all? Just two. No, we've got... Okay, there's some more. All right, I need you to wave your little sheets that you got given. Wave your sheets at me. Okay, that's the seven-year-olds and under. Guys, there's going to be ten words that I'm going to say in my talk today that are hidden in this word search. I'm going to, when I say one of the ten words, I'm going to tell you that I've said it. I don't know how I'm going to tell you. Did anyone ever have those little books when you were kids where it says, when Tinkerbell rings her bell, then you turn the page? Do you remember those books? Maybe it was only me. Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell. I had a Tinkerbell book. I don't know why. My mum must have thought I was a girl or something. Anyway, when I say a word, one of the ten words, I'm going to make a funny noise or I don't know what I'm going to do. Put my hand up or stick my finger in my ear or something. And I'm going to say, that's one of the ten words. And then you've got to find it on your sheet. Okay, right, sit down you guys. Can I see the kids who are above seven years old? Stand up, show me where you are, wave your sheet. Right, okay, there's a few of you. Thanks you guys. You can sit down. The same ten words are in your sheet, but your sheet's bigger because you guys are older. So it might be a bit harder for you to find your words. Um, And I'm talking to the kids today. So adults, you're welcome to listen. But I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the kids. And hopefully the adults and the kids will get something good out of it today. Today is a big topic. It's called, Why Does God Allow Suffering? Now, I think that most kids don't really battle with this question. If I say to a child, Why does God allow suffering? Most kids immediately just think, well, of course there's suffering. I'm naughty to my brother or sister and I pull his ear. And then when dad says, who did it? I say, I didn't do it. And I know why suffering happens. It's because of my brother or my sister. Most, of, most kids understand that. But a lot of adults say, why does God allow suffering? And so I'm going to try and explain using some of the the language that adults need to hear, but I'm going to try and explain it to the kids. So why does God allow suffering? How many of you kids have your own bedroom? Can you put your hand up if you sleep in your own bedroom? Wow, there's a few of you. How many of you share a bedroom with a brother or sister? Okay. When I was a child, I got given my own bedroom when I was seven years old, and I was so excited. It was my own room. It wasn't big, but it was my own, and it had my bed in it. And for the first few nights, I was quite scared to sleep in there by myself. I don't know if you guys are ever scared at night, but I was a bit scared. And then at school, some people said, we're getting silkworms. Has anyone ever seen a silkworm? Do you know what silkworms are? They're little white, wormy, maggoty things. They're not very big, and you have to feed them with mulberry leaves. And then they grow bigger and fatter, and eventually they start to spin silk. They spin a little cocoon around themselves, and they turn into a moth. But that silk that they spin is what they make silk clothes out of. And everyone at school was getting a silkworm. Has anyone here ever had a silkworm? There's a few of us. That's awesome. Now, I just want to tell you, silkworm is one of the words on your page. Okay, so you can look for it. And if you can't find it, 
Blame Heidi or somebody. Don't blame me. Okay. Did you see it? Is anyone? One big word, silkworm. Has anyone found it yet? You guys are slow. <coughs> anyway, so I got silkworms. My mum and dad said to me, you can have silkworms. And I got a little shoebox and I put the silkworms in the box. But my mum and dad said to me, you've got to look after these silkworms. You've got to feed them. You've got to make sure they're okay. And you've got to keep them in the box. Because if they get out of the box, they're going to start spinning silk all over your bedroom. Guess what I did? I let them out the box. And they started climbing into the curtains. That was the worst. And some of them got into my bedspread of my bed and into my cupboards where my clothes were. And you know what happened? My bedroom started looking like something out of a science fiction movie. It was terrible. There was strands of silk and the curtains were all crumpled up. You couldn't open the curtains anymore. And, and the bed was all stuck to itself. And some of my clothes, I couldn't wear them anymore. Why? Because I'd let the silkworms just go mad. And they were just eating all these mulberry leaves that I was giving them every day. And my bedroom turned into a disaster zone. And there was a lot of tears and suffering in my household. You know why? I was sad because I couldn't open and close my curtains and I couldn't really sleep in my bed properly. I had to sleep at a funny angle because there were silkworms crumpling up part of my bed and some of my clothes I couldn't wear. Oh, I can't wear my favorite shirt because there's a silkworm on it. And it was terrible. And some of them, I pulled the clothes or whatever it was and the silkworms got damaged. They'd made a little cocoon and some of them actually died. I killed some of my silkworms. And for a period of, a, I forget how long it was, several weeks, my bedroom was a disaster area. Has anyone ever done anything like that? No, am I the only one? I think I am the only one. You know why? Because my parents didn't get involved. They said to me, Greg, it's your room. You look after your room and you look after your silkworms and it's up to you. And so there was a lot of suffering involved because they'd given me a room, they'd given me some control how many of you kids think that your parents uh, control your life a little bit too much? You're allowed to put your hand up because it's church and no one will be cross with you. Okay. I just want to show you something quickly. Grant, please will you come and stand up here? This is my son Grant, okay? Just come and stand up here so they can see how big you are. This is my son Grant, okay? He's a big boy now. When he was eight months old, I used to control him and make him walk. And I used to put his feet on my feet, and I used to hold his hands, and I used to walk, and he would feel like he was walking, but I was controlling him. It's hard to believe now, isn't it? And then when he was just two days before his nine-month birthday, so he was still eight months old, I tricked him, I put some golf balls in his hands, and he thought I was still holding his hands, and he started walking by himself. Isn't that amazing? Now I don't have to te teach him how to walk. In fact, I have to fight with him over the car keys, because he wants to take my car all the time. But I don't control him because he's grown up and he's learned to control himself. Thanks, boy, you can sit. But kids... Parents might control us when we're little, but all good parents want us to learn to control our own lives. Isn't that true? Parents, is that true? Yes. We kind of want to 
We want them to be independent, but we want them to still be dependent on us a bit, don't we? It's kind of this weird thing. And then the more independent they get, the more, especially the mums, are going, oh, my little baby is growing up. It's kind of this weird relationship. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, God is in control? Have you ever heard that phrase? It's a very popular phrase. Or, everything happens for a reason. Have you heard that phrase? Right, I'm kind of talking to the adults, but I'm hoping the kids are listening now. God is not in control. God only controls people who have no self-control. And God's desire is for us to have self-control. God wants to have authority over us, which means He says what's best, but we choose whether or not to do it. Control means I'm pulling your arms and your legs and I'm making you walk. And God does not control people. Isn't that interesting? You know, the word control appears 11 times in the Bible. Once it's talking about an evil king who was trying to control his empire. Another time it talks about an evil man who had control over his money. And all the other nine times it talks about how we must have self-control. It never says God is controlling anyone. But it does say God has authority, which means he says what's right, but then he wants us to choose the right. So children, I'm talking to you again. When your mom and dad control you, it's because you're too small to do it yourself. How many of you here, I'm talking to the little kids now, how many of you here... Um, need your mom and dad to cut up your food for you. Can you put your hand up? Okay, well done. It's one on two. That's good. That's because you're not strong enough to do it yet. But mom and dad want you to learn to cut up your food and want you to learn to make your own decisions. God wants us to make decisions. This phrase, God is in control, is wrong. God is in authority but he wants you and me to have control over planet Earth. And he gave us control. Isn't that interesting? Now, who's lost? I wonder if I've lost any of the children yet. I might have. Okay, I'm going to do another picture story. Uh, Ashley, please come up here. Okay, just stand next to me, my girl. This is my daughter, Ashley. Ashley, please will you pick up those things on the floor, those, those, little, those little pieces of grass and paper and things? Right. That's my daughter, Ashley. I asked her to pick up some stuff off the floor. And you know what? I love her. Why? Because we have a relationship and I can say to her, please will you pick up something off the floor? And she does it because she loves me. And she's chosen to do it. I didn't force her to do it. I wonder if you can see where I'm going with this. This is Hetty. This is my vacuum cleaner. She's better at picking things up off the floor than Ashley is. Hetty is very good at picking things up off the floor. If I plug her in and I start going around the floor, Hetty picks up everything off the floor. But you know what? I don't love Hetty. <laughs> my wife loves Hetty. <laughs> I don't have a relationship with Hetty. I don't have a photograph of Hetty in my wallet. 
If Hetty were to die, I wouldn't cry. I would buy another Hetty. <laughs> Why? What's the difference? Hetty is a machine. Hetty does not have a will or a choice. She doesn't choose to clean up the floor. She's just programmed to clean up the floor. And when I switch her on, she cleans up the floor. Friend, you and I are not machines. God doesn't love us like a machine. He doesn't control us and make us do right or wrong. He says, I want you to do this, but we choose. It's a completely different thing. Are you still with me? I wonder if I'm making anyone fall asleep. Thanks, my girl. You can sit. All right. If any of the children are asleep, now's a chance to tickle them or give them a sweet. Anyone need another sweet? Okay, come get a sweet, kids. They're here. You're welcome. Yes, go for it. Run fast. Well done. Well done, guys. Good one. Okay, I've got two more words for you on your word search. What was my first word? Silkworm. The second word is bedroom. Bedroom. B-E-D-R-O-O-M. Bedroom. Can you find it on your sheet? Bedroom. And then the third word is suffering. S-U-F-F-E-R-I-N-G. Great. Well done. Okay, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read a story to you from the Bible. Are you ready? I'm reading it from a, an adult version of the Bible, so I might change some of the words to make them more child-friendly. Jesus was telling a parable in Matthew 21, verse 33. He said, there was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and put a hedge around it. He dug a wine press in it and built a tower. So what this means is there was a man who owned some land and a vineyard is a place where grapes grow and he made it really nice. He put a hedge around it. He built a, a big building in the middle to make wine and he put a tower and he made it really nice. It was a beautiful place. Just like my bedroom, my new bedroom, when my parents said you can have your bedroom, this man built a, a, a nice vineyard and he gave it to some people. The next verse says, he leased it to some vine dressers and went into a far country. In other words, he gave them control over this wonderful thing that he built. And that's God giving man control of the earth. That's what the Bible says. Uh, Psalm 8 and Psalm 115. Psalm 115 says, the heaven, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So God gave us control. He gave Adam and Eve control. Just like you may be given a bedroom, or this man gave the vineyard to those people, God has given planet earth to human beings. Are you with me so far? Right, let's read on. Now the vintage time drew near. That means the time when you're supposed to harvest grapes and get some yummy grapes. It drew near, and he sent, the man who owned the place sent his servants to the people who lived there that he might get some of the fruit from them. He wanted a little bit of the fruit to see how good it was and how well they'd been looking after the, the place. Just like my parents every now and again put their head around the door of my bedroom and they looked in and they said, how's it going in here? And they saw the silkworms everywhere. That's, that's what this man did. He, he sent some people to the vineyard. And God does that. He sends people to earth. They called, in the Old Testament, they were called prophets. And he would send prophets who would come to the earth and say, this is what God says. Uh, verse 35. And the people took the servants and they beat them up. 
They killed one of them and they threw stones at another one. So he sent more servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Then last of all, he sent his own son to them, saying, they will respect my son. So the, the king who owned the land sent his own son to go and say, what are you guys doing with this vineyard that I've given you? You know, God sent his own son to planet Earth to ask us what's going on and to show us that he loves us and that he cares about our suffering. You know, God isn't far away saying, I don't care about their suffering. Just like my parents cared about the fact that I was suffering in my bedroom and some of the silkworms were getting ripped in half, my parents cared about that, but they were waiting to give me the ability to control my own room. God cares about our suffering so much that he became a human and he came to earth and he lived in our lives and he suffered on our behalf. He died on a cross. He suffered our pain. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible where it talks about God feeling our suffering. And it says this, For the hurt of my people I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Oh, that my head were waters, this is God speaking, and my eyes were a fountain of tears, that I may weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. That's Jeremiah 8, 21 onwards. God is saying, because of the hurt that sin, that people disobeying me has caused, I'm so hurt by it. God suffers with us. Jesus stood up in Jerusalem and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I've longed to gather you like a hen gathers its chicks under its wings, but you weren't willing. You didn't want to do anything with me. So God feels our hurt and the landowner, the man who owned the vineyard, felt the pain of the people and he sent his own son. But listen to what it says. But the people saw the son. They said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him. Let's seize his inheritance. So they took him, they cast him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? He will destroy them. So the next word in your word search is vineyard, V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D. How are we doing so far with our words? Are we doing all right? Has anyone found all the words so far? Good, Alex. So the words are suffering, silkworm, bedroom, vineyard. Another word is Jesus. Can you see it in your word search? Jesus? You see it? Good. Well done. Another word is wonderful. W-O-N-D-E-R-F-U-L. Because God's plan, when he gave the planet Earth to us, was wonderful. He gave a wonderful planet... But then he said, you guys control it. Just like my parents gave me a wonderful bedroom, they said, you look after it. Wonderful, perfect. The vineyard was perfect when it was given to the people who, who were looking after it. But they messed it up. All right, I'm gonna, I think I'm losing track of all the words here. Choice. Choice is another word in your, in your list. C-H-O-I-C-E. You know that God gives us a choice? He gives us free will. He says to us many times in the Bible, choose life. There's life and death. Choose life. He gives us the ability to choose. I don't know if you've ever seen any of these movies that's, that are on at the moment about robots becoming like humans. 
Has anyone ever seen one of those movies where they make a robot and it looks like a human, but then they try and put into it a personality so that it's just like a human, so that people can't tell whether it's a human or a robot. There's quite a few movies and TV shows about this. And by the way, robot is one of the words in your list. R-O-B-O-T. Robot. So they make this robot and they make it do everything exactly like a human, but they still know it's not a human. The only way they know they can make it into a real human is this. They need to give it the ability to choose whether they want to be your friend or not. If it can't choose, if it has to be my friend, if I make a robot that's exactly like a person in every way, but it can't choose whether or not to be my friend, then all the time I know it's just like Hetty, the, the vacuum cleaner. It doesn't really want to be my friend. It's not really real because I programmed it to do what I say. God gave us the choice whether or not to love Him, whether or not to obey Him. I wonder if I've made that point clear yet. You see, many people, and I'm talking mostly to the adults now, but kids, you can listen in. Many people think that this question about God and suffering is this terribly difficult question to understand. I've heard Christians say, it's an impossible question to answer. Why is there suffering in the world? Oh, what a terrible question when non-Christians ask me that. I don't know what to say. And I want to say it's not a difficult question. It's not a difficult question at all. It boils down to this simple explanation. God has given us choice and He's delegated authority over planet Earth to us. And He won't step in because if He did, He would be controlling us. And we don't want to be controlled. Isn't that true? Good girl. She agrees. That little girl agrees with me. And I think she's great. You know, many of us want God to control the other people who do bad things to us. But we don't want Him to control us. Isn't that true? We say, God, please will you stop that man who is such a bad driver. He pulls out in front of me and he doesn't say thank you for letting me in. And he, he treats me badly on the road. Lord, would you control him? He's so bad. He's, he's causing suffering in my life. Why is there suffering, Lord? And God says, well, if I control him, I have to control you. Do you want me to control you? And we say, yes, Lord, kind of, but I still want some choice. And God, because he's God, is fair and he's the same with everyone. And he says, if I control someone who does a bad sin, then I have to control everyone. And then there's no longer freedom of choice. There's no longer relationship. And that would be the end. That would be judgment day. That would mean no more relationships possible with God. I've got one more story to tell you guys. Let me just check my words. So we've got suffering, silkworm, bedroom, Jesus, wonderful, choice, robot. Has everyone got those so far? Vineyard. I've just got two more words. Control, C-O-N-T-R-O-L. Have I already said that one? No. Control. And the last word is authority. A-U-T-H-O-R-I-T-Y. Okay, one more story and then we're going to close. All right, this is the last story. Jesus told a, a story, it's called a parable in Matthew 13 verse 24. And he said, a man 
made a field and he planted some really nice seeds in the field. Can you guys imagine the field? A field with lots of nice seeds is going to grow up into a beautiful crop of wheat or maize or whatever it is. He planted some good seeds in the field. A man planted nice seeds, but then he went to sleep. And while he was sleeping in the night, Jesus said, an enemy came and planted some weeds in amongst all the seed, the good seeds in the field. And when they woke up in the morning, there were weeds growing up amongst the, the good seeds. And the other people, the, the friends of the man who owned the field, said to him, Master, what's happened? Didn't you make it good? Why is there so much bad involved in the field? And the man said, an enemy has done this. And so the, the friends or the workers said, should we go and rip out the weeds? Should we go and get rid of all the weeds? And the man said, no, you might damage some of the good seeds as well. Wait till the very end when everything has grown up fully. Then we'll take the weeds and get rid of them. And then hopefully we'll be able to reap all the good seed as well. And we won't damage any. Why am I telling you this story? Because it's exactly the same question. Many of us look at the world and we see good stuff, but we see bad stuff as well. We see suffering. And we say, why are people getting sick? Why is there an earthquake? Why are people horrible and stealing from each other? It, those are the weeds that are growing up in amongst the good seed. And we say to God, didn't you make it good? Didn't you plant a good field? And, and God says, yes, I did. But an enemy has got involved because there's choice, freedom to choose. People have made bad choices and the devil has come in. And so now the whole world is full of suffering. You know, even innocent people get hurt with suffering caused by the sin of lots of people in other places. It's not a direct link. You don't get hurt because you sin. We all get hurt because we've all sinned. Sometimes my suffering is caused just by the general badness of the world. It's not because I've done anything wrong or even my parents. It's just, it's just we live in a broken world. And that's what the field was like. It was good and bad. And they said, should we get rid of the bad? God, why don't you come in and, and rip out the bad people and rip out all the, all the stuff? And, and the owner of the field said, let's wait because we might damage some of the good. And he says, at the end, I'll come, we'll get rid of the bad, and we'll sort it out. And there's a verse in 2 Peter 3 where he talks about why is God taking so long to judge the world? Why is it taking so long for God to put everything right you know, the Bible says one day the lion will lie down with the lamb. The ox and, and all these different things will play together. The child will sit with a cobra and there'll be no more hurting in the world. That's God's plan eventually. And we say, God, why don't you make that happen now? He says, because then I would have to rip everything up. And there might be, please listen to me, some people who would give their lives to God but if I ended it now, they would, it would be too soon and they wouldn't have given their lives to God. And so I'm waiting, I'm waiting, just in case there's somebody who's going to accept my forgiveness. Right, let's pray together. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up if that's okay. I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer now if you mean it. Because you don't have to pray it. There's no one forcing you. God doesn't force you. He reaches out. He says, I don't want anyone to perish, but He won't force you. He wants you to choose. To say, Lord, here's my life. Here's my heart. Take, 
take the rightful place on the throne of my life. I want to serve you. I want to obey you. I want to give you control of my life through authority by choosing to obey And if that's you here today, you want to say, yes, Lord. I want to give you my life. I want you to come and take your place in my life. Just pray that prayer with me today. We're going to pray it in a minute. If you're a young person, you want to pray that prayer, we can all pray it together. And then we're going to also just pray that through us, God's plan, His will, His good, perfect plan, would be extended in the world around us so that the suffering would be reduced because we are shining His light. Wherever there's sickness, sadness, suffering, we bring His love, His peace, His grace. So let's pray right now. If you want to pray this prayer, just pray with me. Tie your heart around the word and say, Dear Lord God, I've heard today that you are not a controlling king, that you love us, and that you want me to choose to serve you. And God, I choose today to kneel before you. God, I choose to give my life to you. I choose to give you my heart today. And Lord, I ask that you would use me to extend your plan into the suffering world around us. Use me, Lord. To, to bring relief from suffering to many, many people around. And I thank you, God, that you are so gracious and kind and loving that you welcome me with open arms. You forgive me of all my sins. You wash me clean and you fill me with your power and your joy and your purpose. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.